0: Everybody and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. This is episode 71 of the podcast, checking in with you guys once again. And on this episode, we talk about several stories, uh, Texans, Astros included. We touch on some Marvel news, but I want to start off by talking about this story that came out of New York with uh, the Mets and uh, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez, formerly of the Cubs, booing fans for booing them. I thought it was completely bizarre. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But first, let's get through the particulars, shall we? All right. I like listening to this music a little bit. That's why uh, I let it go for a little while. It puts me in a good mood. Time for a podcast. So that's uh, that's what this is all about. Business matters. Go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Please do. Uh, I mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. We're going to have video on this shortly. Hoping to kick that off actually in about a month. Um, October, first week of October, right in time for Astros playoffs. That's when I hope the uh, video portion of the podcast is going to be up and running. I've talked about it before. My time is fully consumed with my high school football special that I'm doing on Marshall High School. Uh, that airs on September 18th at 10.30 on KHOU, so go ahead and check that out. Set your DVRs if you can't make it, if you're out partying, or if you've gone to sleep already. Um, you know what? To be honest, I- I've started to go to sleep by 10:32. I mentioned this, uh, I think it was last episode or two episodes ago. I think it was last episode that I've uh, started this new workout routine. Uh, I figured because of this whole Delta variant coming back and everything that's going on, wanting to stay healthy, wanting to stay as fit as possible, started a new workout routine. I go to bed at 10.30. I wake up at 6.30, 6.45 and work out in the morning. It's not as hot, and it's uh, so far working out for me. I'm on the second week, third week of this. I'm not even sure. I've lost all track of time, to be honest with you. I think I'm on my third week of this. But it's going well so far. I feel good. I feel energized. I feel better. My wife jokes around with me all the time. How can you not drink caffeine? Fun fact about me, I don't drink any caffeine because it affects my heart because I've got these uh, heart palpitations. Anytime I drink a little bit of caffeine, my heart starts going crazy. I know. I I, I realized this several years back, and I, I, I never really liked coffee anyway to begin with. But, you know, back in the day, I used to drink iced coffee, which was good, like the Caramel macchiatos or uh, frappuccinos or whatever the heck they call it at Starbucks. I used to drink those a lot. Uh, But uh, now I can't drink any caffeine. Can't have any Coca-Cola products that have caffeine. Only soft drink I really have is Sprite. Um, And then when I really get adventurous, if I'm at a party or something, I do drink Diet Coke and splash some rum in it um, or some whiskey or some Crown or whatever. But uh, that's, uh, that's what I like to drink. But no caffeine no caffeine but this new uh this new workout regimen this new schedule that i'm on is 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 doing is going pretty well and that's what i was saying my wife jokes around with me all the time how do you not drink caffeine and stay so energetic we got two kids running around i should be exhausted and you know sometimes i am i'm driving back home and sometimes i'm falling asleep and all that. It's not good but but i you know i, I still feel like uh, energetic i'm recording this at what like 4:30 in the afternoon i woke up today about 6:30 I'm still feeling good, still feeling alive, like this new breath of fresh air has been injected into me, so I like what I'm doing here with the workout schedule, and uh, yeah, my time has been consumed with that project, it airs in a couple of weeks, I'm trying to track down all the video for it, then I'm going to start the editing process, I'm writing it now, um, so you're not going to be seeing me on Channel 11 that much over the next couple of weeks, we've got a Texan special coming up next weekend before the season starts, Uh, You'll see me on Sports Extra on Sundays and if I have to fill in every now and then. But for the most part, the next three weeks, I am book solid with this Marshall High School football show, uh, which is going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. We went up to College Station last week to interview one of their former players, Devon A. Chain, who's going to be a star with the Aggies this year. We're mixing in a lot of elements, and I think you guys are going to enjoy. You're going to start seeing the promos for that airing soon. I shot some of those last week as well. And I was joking around with them. I've been at KHU for 12 years, but it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of serious too. This is the first time that they've actually promoted one of my works in 12 years. This is my fourth or fifth or sixth sports special that I've done at Channel 11. So I really appreciate the new crew that's in that is in charge and uh, working on our promotions. <clears throat> Excuse me, working on our promotions, making them better. You'll see my face on promos coming up here over the next couple of weeks pushing the Marshall High School fo- football program, which is on September 18th at 10.30. First time we've been on primetime, uh, 10.30 spots. It's kind of later primetime, but I think you guys are going to enjoy the show. Uh, what else? What else is going on in the world? Did I have a good weekend? Yeah, had a good weekend. Grilled out a little bit on Saturday. Um... I got a kick out of a a tweet that was sent out about the weather. I think it was the National Weather Service here in Houston said that it's been 100 days since we've uh, had 100-degree temperatures. It's something like that. So basically, a whole calendar year since we've had 100-degree temperatures. Um, And, of course, that's probably going to get cracked this week. As soon as somebody mentions that, we're going to hit 100 degrees. But You know, I talk about my weather, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with uh, the folks in Louisiana. I I have friends that are from Louisiana. I have friends that have family in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, checking with one of them this morning. And, uh, you know, his his family made out okay. But, I mean, seeing some of the pictures coming out of there uh, is not good. Not good because of uh, Hurricane Ida that blew through there. So, Thoughts and prayers are with those folks, definitely in Louisiana. I know it seems like, boy, that area is like a hurricane magnet. They just cannot get away from these big time storms. They keep hitting, they keep getting hit one year after the next, and I, I just hate to see it. Um, we know what it's all we know what it's all about here in Houston about hurricanes and all that, but it seems like over there in Louisiana they just get hit all the time especially last year. they really like got three or four storms, Lake Charles. I drive through Lake Charles still, and boy, some of that some of that city is still decimated. They haven't really recovered from last year's storm. So I'm hoping everything goes well over there in Louisiana and that everybody is safe. Now the rebuilding process begins. So uh, thinking about those folks, that's for sure. Okay, so let's get right into it. I talked about it a little bit at the beginning. I teased it. Uh, over the weekend, I saw this story pop up. You know, I'm not really concerned with what's going on in the National League. In fact, let's just take a look at some of the standings now. Let me pull it up. Uh, what's going on in the National League? We're an American League town, and I'm an American League f- fan. I don't like the DH, so forget all that. Let's see here. Let's see what we got. What we got. Uh, okay. Uh, National League. And let's, let's go to the NL East. Atlanta is on a roll. They've been playing some really good baseball. They were down at the beginning, but uh, now they've uh, shot their way to the top of the NL East. They are in first place by four and a half games. The Mets, the New York Mets, are seven and a half games back. They've won their last two. And this story that I read has to do with the uh, New York Mets. And Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor, when I saw the quote, I I thought it was... uh, The onion or somebody was just making fun of it because apparently, and again, I don't watch many Mets games, but they started doing these thumbs down. The players, when they get on base, they start doing the thumbs down motion. And so after the game, Javi Baez, who was of the Cubs, he got traded to the Mets at the deadline. Um, he, He just came out and point blank said that, you know, the fans love to boo us. So when we do well, we're going to boo them uh they're gonna boo the fans they're gonna they yeah they're gonna boo the fans because they're doing well I'm I'm sorry that's like high school stuff that's like I don't think I've ever heard anything like that I think that's it is so dumb <laughs> I mean, first of all you're gonna boo the people that pay your salary first of all that's that's like the number one thing yeah, look. Look, I think, I think in sports, um, we're all fans, right? We all have a favorite team and, you know, at one point or another, we've gone to games and we've, you know, let the team that we're cheering for or let the team that we're cheering against have it. I know I've done that, uh, several times when I was in college, uh, even when I was out of college, I'd go to, to baseball games. If I'm watching the White Sox play, i I'd boo the other team, or uh, you know, just you just get after. You know, you have a couple of drinks sometimes when you're at the game. You kind of just start booing a little bit. Whatever, it, it's part of sports, right? These guys are professionals. They know what they're signing up for, and that's it's part of the game. Okay, it's part of what you do. Can you imagine a professional athlete coming out and saying, "You know what? It hurts when they boo, so we're gonna do stuff and give them the thumbs down." when we do well, to kind of prove them wrong, that they're, they're, their boos are not accurate, that we're we're a better team than those. First of all, the whole thing is absurd. It is absurd. Not to mention that fans pay their salaries, but these guys, I mean, who... Javi Baez is a good player, but you're not going to the Hall of Fame, bro. Francisco Lindor is a nice player, overpaid by a lot. Uh, $300 million contract that he got in the offseason. That was just ridiculous. So he's overpaid. And look, I know the Mets are struggling, obviously. By their record, they're 63-67. and They're 3-7 and in their last 10. It's not been going well. And if you play in New York, you have to expect that the fans there are going to give you hell if you don't play well. I mean, that's what being in New York is all about. That's what being in a major city. If you go to New York... Chicago, L.A., Philadelphia, Boston. I mean, these big towns, in baseball especially, if you don't play well, they're going to boo. The only exception would be in Chicago with the Cubs because their fan base, will, well, they're okay with anything. They've lost for so many years with one good year mixed in when they won the World Series several years back. And Javi Baez was part of that team. So I guess he just got used to just people just giving him a high five or cheering him on, whatever happens, happens. So he gets to New York, and all of a sudden he gets real, and they're not playing well. And he decides to give this gesture to send a message to the fans. Obviously, the front office was upset. they come out against this whole thing, saying it's unacceptable. I mean, it's not just it's – I wouldn't call it unacceptable. I guess that's the wording a franchise has to use to kind of keep its fans. I just think it's kind of, like, lame, honestly. What You're booing – The fans, these are people that you're making millions of dollars, guys, and they're paying for your salary. They could pretty much do whatever they want, except come onto the field and come onto the court, like we saw in Detroit so many years ago. By the way, great documentary on Netflix, Malice at the Palace. Go check that out. So obviously that crossed the line. That was unacceptable. But if you're going to stay in your seats, seats that they paid for, they can pretty much tell you whatever they want, unless it gets physical, and and that usually is not the case. This is just booing, and I I don't know. When I first read that, I thought it was it was so absurd. Uh, so many people were just blown away by it. I just recently saw a video by Lenny Dykstra, former Philadelphia Philly. Uh, he posted a video. It's not safe for uh, for content on my podcast <laughs> because it's got a lot of bad words in it. But I I suggest you go look it up. Uh, Lenny Dykstra on Twitter posted this little rant about what he thinks uh, of these two players, Lindor and Javi Baez, them doing this sign, this uh, thumbs down sign. I just think it's ridiculous. It's going to backfire. Every time those guys go up now to the plate, they're going to get booed heavily. Uh, talk about not endearing yourself to a new fan base like Baez, right? I mean, you're, you're, you just got to New York. It's like a month ago. You just got there, and all of a sudden, you're calling out the fans for being too harsh on you. That is pretty lame. Um, but again, I mean, he comes from a team where fans, I think, you just get complacent. In the Cubs, they're they're just a happy-go-lucky group. It didn't really matter what happened over there. I've been to a lot of Cubs games. Nobody pays attention to the games. So if you go to a baseball game in Chicago, and I might be biased, obviously, because I'm a Sox fan. If you go to a baseball game in Chicago and wanna watch the actual game with fans watching the game, not just going there for a social experience, you go to the south side. You go watch White Sox baseball because people are more engaged in what's going on. You go to the north side. People are just drinking, having a good time. They go to Wrigleyville and the bars. It's all about an experience. It's a fan thing, whatever. Um, so maybe, maybe he was just clouded by that. I was just totally blown away by it. I read it and I thought, what in that? I just couldn't believe it. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. But then again, you know, the social media age has has kind of entitled a lot of athletes sometimes to to feel like they're uh, they should be getting more than what they ought to be getting. And if you're not playing well for years, it's been the fact that you've been booed. You've been chastised by fans. Sometimes it's not fair and sometimes it's not justified, but that's what sports is all about. So a professional player to come out and say they're going to boo the fans because they've got their feelings hurt is one of the lamest things I've ever heard. Okay, let's jump into some other headlines. (laughs) All right, first up, the uh, Texans. Texans wrapping up the preseason this weekend uh, against the uh, defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 23-16, the final score. Uh, Scores don't matter in the preseason. Uh, A couple of takeaways from this one, if we're going to talk about the game itself. um, Boy, that first-team offense did not look sharp. I know Laramie Tunsil's still not in there. I'm not sure he can correct all the problems. They just don't have guys that can win one-on-one matchups on the outside, right? I mean, they have a bunch of journeymen that they've collected in this offense. They're trying to piece it together to make it one, and they don't have a quarterback like a Deshaun Watson that can make plays off schedule to keep drives alive, right? Tyrod Taylor's a nice player. He's a backup player. I think at this point in his career, he probably should not be starting He did not look good against a Tampa defense, which, yes, they are the defending Super Bowl champions. They played most of their starters. They're finely tuned. They're tuning up for their uh, debut, their opener coming up uh, next week. So, look, I get it. That's a tough opponent. It was a real measuring stick for the Texans to see where they are, and, frankly, they have a long ways to go on the offensive side. And then on the defensive side, I mean, the first series was fine, but then Tom Brady goes out there and slices them up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Um, and it they, they did not look good for those two series. Brady marched right down the field. And, uh, again, look, it's the type of competition. You're not going to be playing Tom Brady every week, but you're going to be playing some pretty good quarterbacks. And I, I just think, I think with this Texans team, fans need to go into it knowing they're going to lose a lot of games. And I know that's not fair, and that's not the way fans should approach things, but I think really with this Texans organization right now, as it's building towards something, hopefully in the future, you have to expect they're going to lose a lot of games, and you have to focus on individual players. That's not easy to do. We did it with the Astros for years Here in town, you know, when guys got called up like Altuve and Springer, and you just notice individual things, how they were performing, how they were getting better, and that's what you have to do with this Texans team. The problem with this Texans squad is, yes, they have some young guys. Charles Amenehu, I think, is going to be a good player. Uh, Justin Reed, I think, is going to have a bounce-back year, not as a kicker, even though he has a good leg, not as a kicker, but I think he's going to have a nice bounce-back year in Lovey Smith's defense, which I think caters more to his style. Uh, He was doing a lot of run uh, help run protection last year, and then that did not that, that did not fit his style. He looked bad on several occasions, but I think Justin's going to have a nice bounce-back year. Uh, but the problem with this team is there's a lot of journeymen. There's a lot of veterans that have signed one-year contracts, and so it's going to be hard to pick out the guys that you need to focus on to see who are getting better. Um, you know, the guys like Nico Collins has to get better. Davis Mills, I hope we actually see him play. A lot. I mean, I know Tyrod Taylor is going to be the projected starter quarterback, but I actually want to see Davis Mills a lot more about the second half of the season when the, pretty much the season's going to be over. You, you you have to think that they're going to have to put Davis Mills in there to see what they have. Is there something to build on for the future? Because if this team is going to be as bad as many people think they are, I think their over-under total in Vegas is, what, three and a half? Three and a half. That, that might be a little high. If you think about it, or was it four, four and a half? It may have been four and a half that I saw. It may have been lowered to three and a half after the preseason. I'm not sure. I have to check those totals a little later. But you're going to want to see what you have in Davis Mills because if you don't think that he's, you know, NFL starter material, maybe he's a backup and that's fine. Guys have great careers as backups. They come in and, you know, fill in when they have to. If you're going to be as bad as you think you're going to be, or many people think you are, then. You have to get a good assessment on Mills, and if that's not the quarterback of the future, then you use your top pick next year on a quarterback. A guy like Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma is the big popular name. We'll see how he plays this year uh, at OU up in Norman. So you're going to have to get some kind of gauge on that, and I I would expect that Davis Mills will play a lot this season, especially towards the second half, to see what he's got, how fast he's learning the system, um, if he's a competent NFL quarterback. So I think that's going to be a big key looking ahead. But, I, you know, this Texas team, I mean, I, they're, not, I, they're just not going to be good. So fans have to go into the season with that mindset, thinking that, all right, this is going to be bad, but where can we pick out our positives? Maybe the first week is a positive. They take on Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has looked good in the preseason. He looked really good against the Cowboys this past week. Maybe that's a win. I look at the schedule overall, and I see about three wins. And they're all at home. None of them on the road. All the wins are at home. Jacksonville the first week is a possibility. Then they have Carolina at home. Uh, Sam Darnold is their quarterback. That's on a Thursday night, I believe, two or three weeks into the season. That's a win possibility. And then the Jets come into town with their new quarterback um, that they drafted this year, Wilson. So those three games I think are wins. But other than that, this could be rough. And um, the other news going into the weekend was about Deshaun Watson. I got so excited when I saw Deshaun Watson and trade in the same sense. I thought they had made the deal because, honestly, that's all I care about when I, when I think about Deshaun Watson at this point. I'm not even getting into his off-the-field stuff. That's all bad, but I, 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 I am not going to be the guy to give my opinion on what's going on off the field with Deshaun Watson. That legal process has to work itself out. When I saw that happen, I thought he was going to get traded. It didn't happen. I think right now the the discussion is whether or not he's going to be on the 53-man roster. That's a tough call. Um, they're probably going to put him on there. But now you have to wait until the end of the season. There's no point in trading him now. You have to see what teams need a quarterback at the end and what kind of draft capital they have to get back. So that's the deal in Deshaun Watson. Uh, until he gets traded, I don't want to hear about him. He's probably going to be on the roster, but uh, he's probably not going to play. Headline two. Headline two. Did you guys see this story? Okay, so uh, ESPN has been airing some high school football games. In fact, they aired a, a Bridgeland high school game this past weekend. Uh, their quarterback, uh, his name is Connor Weedman. I think he's going to a The guy was a stud. He had a sensational game. Bridgeland has a great team this year over uh, – over here in uh, West Houston, up in the uh, Cy Independent School District, they got a great team. That's one to keep an eye out for. In Bridgeland, uh, but so the, you know the opening weekend they usually ESPN usually likes to air high school games. So one of the games they aired this week was uh, uh, a game between the IMG Academy, which is out of Florida. That's that school that produces all these great school, all these great talents. IMG Academy and Ohio's Bishop Sycamore. All right, I I didn't watch the game. I saw some of the highlights afterwards, and really, they weren't highlights. It was just a beating. IMG Academy went out there and beat them 58 to nothing. Uh, But then I saw a clip from one of the uh, broadcasters saying that he felt, basically apologizing, that ESPN was misled about the abilities of Bishop Sycamore. Let's put it that way. So this article comes out in Complex, Complex.com. The title of the article is, High School Football Team May Have Lied to ESPN to Play on National TV. And when I say the team lied, that I'm talking about Bishop Sycamore because it turns out that, well, I'm just going to read it from this article, and this is straight from Complex.com. Here we go. Um, the outlet has confirmed that the Ohio School High School let me start over the outlet has confirmed that the Ohio High School Athletic Association does not recognize Bishop Sycamore as a legitimate high school and their physical location practice facilities and roster eligibility could not be verified it goes on to say Bishop Sycamore's head coach Roy Johnson also allegedly has an active arrest warrant thanks to fraud charges and that many of his players are said to have already graduated high school, and that some of them are JUCO dropouts, and that they played two games in three days. Try to process all that. I urge you to go look at the article online, Complex.com. Okay, so ESPN didn't do any background checks on this school? Did you, you just went off of some... Off the word of a of a scheduler, it, it it goes on to say the Paragon Marketing Group. The game was scheduled by Paragon Paragon Marketing Group, and it was to be broadcast on ESPN. A statement from ESPN says that we regret that this happened and have discussed it with Paragon, which secured the matchup and handles the majority of our high school event scheduling. But man, come on, you got to go back and check what's going on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me you scheduled a high school game on national television without double-checking what high school team you were covering? Bishop Sycamore out of Ohio apparently is not a real thing. They have non-high school players. (coughs) They have a coach who has an arrest warrant out on him for fraud charges, and they have no legitimate facilities that the Ohio High School Association cannot verify. Dude, I don't think I've ever heard a story like this before, that a major television network was duped by a, a group of guys, really. I mean, they weren't really an organization, but a bunch of group of guys that just wanted to play on national TV. And by judging, look at the highlights, they had no business being on that field with this really talented high school team out of Florida. And look, a lot of kids go to that high school in Florida. They move down there. Families move down there because that is a recruiting factory. They go down there because they know colleges have their eyes on IMG all the time. And they're usually featured on national television, too. And they beat the hell out of them. 58 to nothing. I just, when I read that headline, I could not believe that this school or quote-unquote school lied to ESPN that ESPN bought it. So all these details are coming out after the fact. And it is just completely, completely wild. I just look, I'm not one for broadcasting a lot of high school games or a lot of amateur sports. I hate the Little League World Series on TV, for example. I know that's a hot take. I don't like the Little League World Series on TV. I think it puts too much pressure on kids at a young age. I get it. They love being on TV. It's fun for them. Fine. I understand all that. It's one. It's not a very good product most of the time. No offense to those kids, but there's a there's a reason why we have the term Little League World Series, right? That's because it's not great baseball, and uh, I just it it's not a very good product on TV. I don't like it. I covered it once. It was a cool atmosphere. It's fine. I don't think it should be on TV. All the games shouldn't be on TV. But that's my hot take of the podcast. Um, but man, you got to back. You got to do background checks on this stuff. I cannot. I cannot believe. Uh, This this whole thing. I just just crazy. (laughs) Just just crazy. Headline three Astros Astros losing to the Rangers, but taking the weekend series. The last game of that series was a mess. They lost 13 to two. Whatever the Rangers are bad. It's fine. The Astros are going to go be in the playoffs. Uh, Likely going to face the White Sox in the first round, which is my worst nightmare. I hate it when those two teams play each other, as I alluded to in podcast episodes before. Look, I'm a diehard White Sox fan, but I grew up in Houston. I have so many friends that are Houston Astros fans. I work in a Houston television station. So I think I'm just going to be off of Twitter and social media during that series I just don't want to run the risk of saying something that's going to make a lot of people mad. Um, And look, because I'm going to be cheering for the White Sox if that happens. I don't want the Astros to win that series. But until we get there, uh, it's nice to see the Astros playing well. Uh, The big story last week was that Carlos Correa was uh, featured in an article in The Athletic because national media cannot quit the Astros. They just can't. They can't quit the Astros. They keep talking about these guys. Um, And... Carlos was saying that this was going to be his last year in Houston and that he wanted to bring a championship. At least that's what his quote said. Now, does he mean that? We're not sure. But I caught up with our baseball analyst, Jeremy Booth, this weekend to talk about Carlos Correa and to talk about the Astros' stretch run into the playoffs and who he thinks poses the biggest threat to them to get to the World Series. Jeremy, always great to talk to you. Let's talk about the stretch run heading into the playoffs. Uh, we got about a month left in the season. What do you think the American League is going to do, and how is it going to shake out?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think you got some some pretty good teams uh, across the board that have, have, whether it's held position or been in the hunt for the top position all season. You know, you got the White Sox in the Central. I think that's kind of a uh, a given at this point. You know, unless they complete catastrophe fall apart. The Astros. We, you know, we have talked about them from the beginning. They're going to win the West. Uh, in the east my pick has always been Tampa Bay I'm not going to walk away from Tampa Bay um, you know, I think the Yankees will end up making the playoffs I think the Red Sox going to be outside looking in you know and then you look at the west and 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 with a month yeah it's about what 34 maybe days left in the season you got um, you got Oakland and Oakland's Oakland right they always do the Oakland's going to Oakland right they always do what they do and they hang around and um you know I think those are your five whether it shakes out that way or not at the end we'll see but I think that's your five
0: you know this is no shade on the Astros or anything but I really like that Tampa team I know you're high on them uh you've seen them recently and they are they're strong they added Nelson Cruz they have a pretty deep lineup um what do you think is the best team position to get to the World Series out of those five let's say Oakland is in Red Sox are out who is the best position you think to head to? Well, that you game? know
1: you're you're gonna love this because because I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and and I and I promise you you know that the check better be in the mail for what I'm about to say. Chicago White Sox to me are, are right now they got as good a shot as anybody to win to win the uh, you know to get to the World Series and win the AL. Uh, Tampa Bay for me is dangerous at any given night. Right, the Yankees are showing a little bit of a hot streak, but if I got to pick two teams, you know, I so said you mentioned the Astros and that. I I think it's Chicago and New York, depending how the seedings fall out, they have a chance to, to, or Chicago and Tampa Bay, rather, have a chance to get to the World Series.
0: Okay, Jeremy, fine. The check will be in the mail. Uh, let's uh, let's do that. Uh, all right, so I want to get to the Astros a little bit uh, before I let you go. Sure. Um, earlier this week, The Athletic had an article because, you know, national media can't quit the Astros and uh, anything that they do. They had an article about this team, what they've done this year. And, you know, props to Dusty Baker and the crew. They've played really well this year. But Great. Carlos Correa's quote really stuck out. The fact that he mentioned that this might be his last year. In fact, he didn't even say Mike. This would be my last season, hopefully to bring a second World Series title. Do you think this is his last year? Is he throwing up deuces here to the Astros and going to go somewhere else?
1: Let me say this. You know, in the last two years now, I guess, as James Click has been here for 20 and 21, as has Dusty Baker, um, this organization has gone through a culture change. And it's a lot more fun to watch at the big league level and, and listen to at the minor league level. Now, they still need to draft better. I think the, the the drafts they've had have borne out to not be that great, right? Need a draft better, but um, this is a this is an organization now that is at least the way they carry themselves, befitting of the city. Okay, let's say that. Um, Correa is a big part of that. He's grown up a lot in the last couple of years, and and I don't I don't think uh, Carlos is going to find the love that he craves anywhere else besides Houston. I, I don't think he's going to be. I think he's going to be appreciated financially. Maybe a little bit more. But going into the year, he had a lot to prove. He had to stay on the field. He had to produce consistently. He had to grow up still. He's done those things. Um, but Carlos has always wanted the love. And I think to him, it's not just a business decision. It's it's a love me decision. And so while he said it's his last year, somebody's going to pay him. It wouldn't surprise me to the Astros because the Astros, quite frankly, have to pay him. They've got to keep him here in Houston with this core because there's nothing to replace him in the system. And while they still have competitive bats and and, and maturing pitching, let's say maturing pitching, right? While they still have that and have a chance to be good, this is the place he resigns, regardless of what he says now.
0: Has he done enough? He bet on himself before the season that he was going to have a big year. The consistency factor has not really been there. He's been up and down. Has he done enough to get that big contract you think that he's looking for outside of Houston?
1: Um, I think you got to look around the league and, and figure out who the suitors are, right? You got look at Toronto. I know they just committed a bunch of money uh, last off season, but Marcus Simeon may not go back. You know, they got a chance and might have a hole there with moving some pieces around to plug him in a short. Um, there's always the, the Jeter A Rod deal that used to happen if, you know, uh, when Jeter played short and A Rod went to the Yankees and you know, maybe he goes and plays third for a bunch of money. I, I don't know. I, I think that um, somebody's going to pay him because you see a contract like Francisco Lindor, and this isn't a knock to Lindor at all. Who's a great player, but his contract with his injuries this year. Right. And the way he's, his numbers are worn out have not necessarily merited what that number was. And so Correa's camps look at right now. And then you have the absurdity of Tatis's contract in San Diego, right. Which is way too early for that type of deal Nothing means not worth it. It's just way early to do that. Um, I think somebody's going to pay Carlos more than what the Astros were willing to. But once again, I got a hard time when you whittle the markets down. Texas is going to have a bunch of money. Houston has a chance to go ahead and do some things. Uh, Toronto, uh, the Yankees aren't a player. Philadelphia, maybe, maybe not. You, you know, the, the Mark Anaheim, you know, the markets kind of bear themselves out. Where he's going to have four or five suitors and, and somebody's going to pay him a lot more than what he would have got at the start of the year whether it's 350, I don't know.
0: When you look at this Astros team heading into September, I know fans were really upset about the fact how they played against the Royals right now. The Royals are, you know, they got a couple of scrappy kids over there, but I think the Astros have fallen into that category of playing down to the competition. I feel like when they play great teams, they elevate their play a little bit, just from what I've seen. Uh, What is the key you think uh, as they head into the playoffs? Is it that pitching staff uh, that we always talk about? Is it the bullpen? Is it something a little bit more? Um,
1: as far as playing down to their competition, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, offline and you know, we've talked about this, you know, online at different points. And, 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 to me, it's about getting that bad stretch of baseball out of your system. Now, if it's truly playing down to your competition, that's a maturity thing. That's a mental thing. Right. And it may not be Bregman who just got back. It may not be Altuve. It may not be Correa or even Alvarez. You know, a lot of these guys have been there before in some kind of capacity, um, but there's these, these teams are playing they are still big league teams. Yeah, I mean they're still big league teams. You could walk in and play Baltimore every night, and they can still have a chance to beat you. You know, uh, Baltimore. Incidentally, Michael Ias runs Baltimore, so you know you you could you could. I, I got a hard time with that if it's a if it's a maturity question, thinking a team that's not mature enough to play uh, everybody as if they can beat you every given night as a chance to win the World Series is is I guess my point here. Um, you, you know that that said, it always comes down to pitching in the postseason and specifically comes down to starting pitching that's that rests your bullpen all gear so that you can shorten the games in the postseason right that's kind of how that works you don't want to have a starter who's thrown let's just say 160 innings just pick a number out of thin air and he's got to go out and throw those guys got to throw out six seven innings every night in the postseason I know that's not happening all the time but you want the bullpen to be rested and healthy and on fire enough that those games are really five inning games six inning games in total the best you can because for three innings, nobody can get a hit. And I don't know if the Astros have enough yet with maturity wise and with just straight firepower and consistency to do that this year. Um, The other clubs we've talked about have some holes, but um, you know, a couple of those clubs are short at better pitching wise as well. So the Astros are going to have to have their pitching come come together and execute and be efficient and be able to get big outs when they need it consistently night in night out to win.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. As always, the check will be in the mail for that White Sox comment. Uh, I don't know if I agree with him on that. I think the White Sox have a lot of holes. Their offense is inconsistent. But then again, we have not seen the full White Sox offense until this weekend. And this weekend, they put up 30 runs in two games against the Cubs. Granted, they also scored zero runs in one game, but they had 30 runs in two games. So that offense is pretty powerful when it gets going. That pitching has to get back on track. And if that's the case, the White Sox could be the best team in the American League. I think Tampa is the favorite for sure. The Yankees are playing great. I think the playoffs are going to be a lot of fun in the American League. Uh, That's for sure. All right, our final headline. Jeremy's a big fan of all this. I just wanted to touch on some Marvel news. I'm late to the party. Uh, I should have recorded a podcast last week about the Spider-Man trailer that came out. It was last Monday, I believe. Yeah, the 23rd. It was the day after it leaked online. Some TikTok user posted it online. And, I, I you know, I, I, I did not go and look at the low-grain video of the trailer. I waited till it came out. Um, and I got to say I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I'm a huge Marvel guy. You guys know this. I'm big-time Marvel, MCU all the way. I got my tickets to see Shang-Chi this weekend or this week. I usually see these movies in the theater on Thursday night. I go really late. I plan it all out. It's a whole thing in my house and my family. Everybody knows that I go see these Marvel movies the night before because honestly, if you're going to be on social media, the day the day it's released, people are ruining the movie already. So I love going to see it the the night before it actually premieres. So me and a buddy of mine, Dion, who's a director at KHU, we go see these movies together. We're going to go see Shang Chi. It looks good. I wasn't too excited about it at first, but uh, you know, as we've gotten a little bit more uh, into it and closer to the to the actual date, I'm, I'm I'm excited about this thing uh, right now. So it should be a fun movie. But the Spider-Man trailer, I got to say, I was disappointed with the storyline. Okay, I'm about to nerd out here. If you don't like Marvel, I'll catch you later. I'll see you later on this podcast. Maybe in the next episode we'll talk about something else. But here on out, I'm going to talk Marvel. Because I was disappointed with this storyline, man. Because the last time we saw Tom Holland and Spider-Man, he was getting all that stuff from Tony Stark, right? And you thought that he was turning the corner. He was going to be a bigger man. He was going to be accepting more responsibilities and he, he knew his place in the world to help out. He was, and then they reveal his identity, and apparently that just shakes him to the core. And now he's running to Doctor Strange. For I didn't like the storyline. I thought, I thought it'd be better if he just kind of takes more of a leadership role with the uh, quote-unquote Avengers. Which, by the way, I don't think there should be another Avengers movie. I think there should just be these movies that tag-team some of the superheroes together, but we should never see another Avengers movie. Um, So I was a little disappointed in the trailer. I I guess I'm excited to see uh, Doc Ock back. Uh, 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 Molina, Alfred Molina's back. I I loved his character in the first Spider-Man trilogy. I thought that was cool. Uh, But the the MCU, Marvel in general, has to be very careful with the way they handle this multiverse because we've seen it already pop up in several of the episodes. We saw it in Loki. We saw WandaVision at the end with Wanda hearing her kids' voices, possibly in the multiverse. they got to be very careful with the way they handle this because I'm not going to lie, it's starting to get a little confusing. Like, who started it? Who's going where? How do we get to what point? I hope that's all explained. I'm not doubting Marvel. I think they're going to explain it. But uh, if you're going to keep all these storylines together and you want to bring in more characters, it's nice to have a multiverse because it allows you to do that storytelling-wise, but they got to make it make sense. And it was such a good 23-movie sequence with the Infinity Saga that I think right now, now we're going to introduce the Eternals and, like, where were they during this whole process? Like, it's going to start getting messy, and it's going to start involving characters that we are not as familiar with, so it's going to be something that Marvel's going to have to battle. You've got diehards like me that are going to go and spend the money and all that, which is fine. they got so many of those that they could, they're going to be okay. But as far as story continuity goes, it's been so perfect so far. I just don't want them to kind of stray off and get messy, get sloppy with the story, because it's, it's one of the best storylines in movie history. Nobody's ever going to replicate this. I've just been fascinated by the whole thing since the beginning, since I saw Captain America, the first Captain America I was in. So I, I love what Marvel's doing. I, just, I was disappointed by the Spider-Man trailer. I can't wait for the second trailer to come out and see where we're going with that in December. Eternals is in November, and Shang-Chi is this week. We've also got What If... The last What If episode was awesome. Loved the alternate sequence of uh, What If the Avengers were taken care of and were beaten by, by Hank Pym. Sorry to spoil it, but uh, it's been a week. You should watch it if you're a fan. Um, so I, I thought that was a, good, I thought was a great story. I'm enjoying those What If shows, but we'll see where it goes. I guess next week I can give my review of Shang-Chi, see if I do a podcast episode, if I have time as I continue to work on this Marshall Show. All right, I've talked long enough. Thanks to Jeremy for joining me on this episode. We covered a lot today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, hope you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you then. See you.